Oh, she can keep the beat. Yeah, she asked me to study the photo. Sorry. You better be Sorry. Doing it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, she said, she said, she said, save my seat. Like, okay. <laughs> I was going to be in the rebel aisle, but. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's right. I'll have to be good little Miss Two Shoes next to my mall. <laughs> okay, how are we? How are we doing? We, really, are we waiting for anyone? No. Okay, well, it's good to, to be here. Um, probably one of the most difficult things was, uh, oh, I could preach this message, I could preach that message, but then try and find out what the Lord wanted me to say to you. Uh, and hopefully, um, we might have achieved something along those lines. Now, but one thing that happened behind my back was somehow it got leaked out that I'd written an Anzac poem, and I was told that I was supposed to bring that with me. Now, it's got nothing to do with the message, but uh, is that right? I'm supposed to go for it, to, to, to recite this Anzac poem? Okay. It's, um, it's a few years ago. I'm, I guess I'm still quite motivated by, uh, you know, the story of those, those uh, young Australians over 100 years ago now who, who signed up for some, something they had no idea uh, what it was they were getting themselves into. And when I wrote the poem, I couldn't decide whether I wanted to call it a tribute or to call it sacrifice and mateship, so I called it both. So that's what it is. You left our shores as young men, full of life and youthful fun. To fight for king and country was the job that must be done. Of excitement there was plenty, of worries only one. Would you get to Europe before this war was won? You came from the farms and stations all along the track, from every town and city, from the coast to the outback. The adventure of a lifetime beckoned one and all, and with a chance to see the world, you answered to the call. You could ride and you could shoot and match it with the best, resourceful, brave and hardy, and game for any test. But you didn't fit the mould of the British Army, who really thought Australians were literally quite balmy. There was just the thought of loved ones that were being left behind, but suffering and death was a long way from your mind. It was a chance to show your mettle while dispensing with the Hun. Win the war and see the world, and at the same time have some fun. Then you found yourself in Egypt, training in the desert sand, with boredom and impatience, longing just to show your hand. Jippo culture in this waiting nearly caused your nerves to fray while the war that raged in Europe still seemed so far away. Then at last some action, off to Gallipoli. It was just against the Turk, but in the fight at least you'd be. But the realities of war hit home that April morning, as lives were lost and torn apart, it seems without a warning. The loss and hell of war became a stark reality on that piece of Turkish land that's called Gallipoli. The battle just to stay alive as the Turks held you in check and the ultimate stupidity of Lone Pine in the neck. Always standing by your mates, you fought with brave determination. The only win of this campaign was the evacuation. The light horse to the Middle East, the infantry to France, to reinforce the armies there and start our great advance. 
But the Germans' fighting prowess and the French and Belgian mud meant three more years of fighting and more loss of Anzac blood. Vainly charging trenches under automatic fire and British generals unconcerned as casualties mount higher. And in every field and battle from Gallipoli and on to Palestine or Passchendaele or Ypres or the Somme, there's the stench of death and dying and the cries of wounded men, the sickness and the shelling that never seems to end. The brutality of warfare and the horrors found therein were beyond your comprehension when you left your home and kin. The awful damn reality of such needless sacrifice of so many of you young men who paid such a hefty price. But the quality of the Anzac was there for all to see. You stood up to each challenge, fought with skill and bravery. And standing by your mates, for mateship was your core, and resourceful innovation that helped finally win the war. And a legend of Australia came from that needless waste of youth, though this legend's sort of different, for it's one that's based on truth. No matter what the odds are, we'll see this to the end, and no matter what the cost is, we'll always help a friend. And so I thank you now with this verse of acclamation for the vital role you played in the forming of our nation. Through courage and persistence, you showed what we could do. And for prevailing under fire, I tip my hat to you. And your story yet reminds me of one more who heard a call, although he knew right from the start that it would cost his all. Yes, Jesus came to earth and lived, and for us he made amends. And like you, he gave his life for us, because we are his friends. Anyway, that was my <laughs> contribution. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so, actually, we've got to pray before I move on to, <laughs> to the Word. Uh, so we'll just say yeah, opening prayer. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you for this chance to, to come together. We thank you for the opportunity to, to worship you in song, uh, in praise, Lord, with our words. Uh, Lord, you know, for the time of communion we'll remember you and Lord we just thank you for your word and let's pray that as we take this time to to listen to your word to hear it to meditate that uh, our hearts would be open uh, be soft Lord for, for that we'd allow you to speak to us and we pray that uh, Lord you would speak to us Lord there's something from today that that you would have for us for today for this week uh, that we can can take that would build us up, that would encourage us, would strengthen us, we pray in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen. So I'd like to read from Philippians chapter 4. Actually, I really want to talk about verse 13. But we'll read uh, most of the chapter anyway, at least down to verse 20. Uh, in Philippians 4, starting in verse 1. Therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore you, Odia, and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, 
Help these women who laboured with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Meditate. Uh, sorry, I'm moving. Yeah. I've, I've started to read the heading there. Sorry, that's where I got lost. Uh, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now the Philippians know, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And of course, verse 13, which is the, the uh, centre, the, the text, I guess, of what I want to talk about today. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now in the movie The Incredibles, within the first five minutes... We see Mr. Incredible rescue a cat from a tree. I don't know whether cats ever really need rescuing from a tree, but <laughs> he rescues the cat from the tree. Uh, he captures a gang of crooks in a police chase. He helps arrest a purse snatcher. He saves a jumper, foils a bank robbery, saves a boy from a bomb, and stops a train from crashing over a destroyed bridge and still makes it to his wedding on time. Well, almost on time. He's a few minutes late, but he still makes it to his wedding it's time to get married. And then we read Philippians 4 verse 13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And some of us want to take this verse and we can think, yes, that means I can be like Mr. Incredible. I can do anything because Jesus is with me. He's going to strengthen me to do these. And, you know, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. If there's a promise in the Bible, if there's a promise in the word, then we can do it. It's not us who's doing it, though, is it? It's Jesus. It's through Christ we do these things. But often we can see a verse like that, particularly when it's in, written in, in verses, and we just see this, I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me, and we can take it to me. Well, whatever I want to do, I can do, because uh, Jesus is going to give me the strength to do it. But what I want to talk about here is actually Paul is writing about something specific here when he writes this verse. This verse is in the middle of several other verses. And it's about not just about doing anything which we want to do, doing anything which we think we can do, but it's about being able to live successfully regardless of circumstances. Now, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are because Christ enables us to live in the circumstances. And verse 11 to 13, if we read the, the whole passage there, and from the, in the New Living Translation, it says, Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to get along happily, whether I have much or little. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me strength. And that's the context of which Paul is writing and where he says, I can do all things. He says every circumstance, he says I've been called to situations where I don't have much, where it seems, you know, I don't even have enough. But in those situations, I can still serve God. I can still do what God's called me to do. And in circumstances where I have plenty. And uh, sometimes if we think about it, you think, well, well when, when I've got plenty, that's okay. I can do everything. I can, I can handle that all right. It's when things are tough. But, you know, it's funny because when things are a bit tough, that's sometimes when we naturally look to God. But when things are pretty good, that's when we forget to look to God. So sometimes we even need help. To live in good circumstances. But Paul says, I know how to live with lack and I know how to live with abundance. And when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that's what he's saying. And that's what the message for us today is. Whatever situation God has called us to, we can, we can do that. You know, it's like not everything that comes, not every time something gets tough that we actually need to necessarily, you know, rebuke the devil. Okay, there may be the motivation behind what people are doing or what things are happening may not be good. But if God's got us in a situation, then he's going to give us the strength to live with that. And I really found this out for myself a few years ago now and uh, sort of had a bit of a revelation about this verse that, uh, I was. I found myself in a situation where, you know, thought, well, God, this is very hard. This is too hard. But I can do all things. So if God calls me to that place, then I can do it. You know, there's promises in the Bible for health. There's promises for, for provision. But Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, gives us strength. You know, he's in Romans 8.37. Uh, he says, in all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Not, he isn't saying they're over all these things, but in all these things, what, what are all these things? But he's talking about, you know, in death, in life, in persecution, whatever, that we are more than conquerors, that we're still able to live, to love, to serve God in those times. <clears throat> so we're, he gives us the strength to live victoriously for him in every circumstance. So whether it's in poverty, whether it's abundance, you know, whether it's health, 
uh, where there is sickness. And when I say sickness, I'm not saying that sickness is of God. We know the source of sickness is of the devil. But sometimes we find ourselves through, for whatever reason, you know, we, we, we live, some, some of us for, for years even, uh, battling with sickness or whatever. But God's not ignorant of that. God knows that. And he will give us the strength still to live for him, even if uh, you know, we haven't received our healing yet. And of course, our persecution. You know, we can look from a fairly safe place uh, in Australia and in the West and wonder how can people deal with persecution? How can people deal with the, the, the things that they have to when they're being persecuted, their lives lost? Well, it's because Christ gives them strength. Because you know they know the strength of Jesus in that circumstance. Now it's it's not about Quasarah Sarah. Anyone old enough to know that song? You know, Quasarah Sarah, whatever will be, will be. It's not about that, oh well whatever comes, well that must be of God and I'll just breeze through and it'll be okay. It's not about that. Neither is it about being Superman or about being Mr. Incredible. But it's about Jesus giving us strength, giving us ability that we need to live for him. Because, you know, God knows our circumstances. That was <clears throat> one thing uh, when I suddenly found myself, uh, you know, having had a seizure and my life, whole life changed was, uh, I, I was looking at, okay, well, this was, took me by surprise, but God wasn't surprised. And so I was... Um, able to, to get through it a lot, you know, thinking about that. I wasn't blaming God for it, but I knew that he wasn't taken by surprise. And, you know, there's other times, you know, maybe we're in a situation, a difficult situation at work or whatever, or, you know, the people around us. And we think, well, how can I, how can I live with this? How can I thrive in this situation? But maybe we're put there to love those people, or maybe we're put there for a season to love those people. Whatever it is, but God will give us the strength, whatever the circumstances. As um, Paul also wrote in Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse nine, when he was going through hard, well, he's talking about his hard times, and he's talking about all the persecutions that he went through, and not just persecutions, but other hardships. And he prayed to God that God would take them away, and God said, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness." So it was through the grace of God, the strength of God, that Paul was able to go through that. In whatever situation, if we find ourselves in difficult situations, if we find ourselves in easy situations, God will give us the strength uh, to deal with that, to cope, not, not just to survive, but to thrive, to live out his will, out his way. And that's all very well to say, okay, that's what that verse says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, what do I do now? In this chapter, there's four things that stood out for me that we can do that will help us to live in this place where we are experiencing uh, the strength of Christ, the strength of Jesus through the, uh, through the Holy Spirit, empowering us to do what he's called us to do, to live where he's called us to do, and to continue to live for him, continue to love, continue to serve. Uh, actually, in, in every verse, there's something we could pull out. But 
there's just uh, four things. For, hopefully I'll get time to get through the, the four of them. <clears throat> but the first one is in verse 4. Verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So the first key to being able to find the strength of God, the strength of Christ, uh, to be you know, empowered by the Holy Spirit in our circumstances is to rejoice. And interesting thing, it says to rejoice because rejoicing is an action. You know, we are to rejoice. Joy is good. I mean, joy is, joy is a noun, you know, like joy is something you have. But rejoice, that's a verb. That's something we've got to do, isn't it? So that's a little bit harder. I'll just take the joy, you know, just give me the joy. Uh, but we're actually told here to rejoice in the Lord. And rejoicing in the Lord it's, you know, gives us strength. And it's a real key. The words joy and rejoice, which are similar, but they occur 16 times through the book of Philippians, only four chapters. So Paul mentions it quite a bit. Maybe he's trying to say something there. <clears throat> and in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18, you know, he writes, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So he writes something similar there. Praise, rejoice, and thanksgiving... Uh, are the most frequently used words for worship in the Bible. You know, we think about worship, I'm not sure what comes to your mind, but those are the three most frequently used words, praise, rejoice, thanksgiving. So rejoicing, rejoicing is more than simply being happy. Isn't it? Joy is more than just being happy. Being happy is good, but joy is something more than that. Joy is an inner condition of the heart. The joy of Christians is not based on agreeable circumstances. Uh, instead, it is based on our relationship to God. And so that's got to be the, the key, the starting point. You think, well, what have I got to rejoice about? Well, there's one to start with, my relationship with God. You can rejoice in that, rejoice over that. Uh, our inner attitudes do not have to reflect our outward circumstances. You know, just because... It's miserable all around us. doesn't mean we have to be miserable. But we can rejoice. Now Habakkuk 3 verse 17 and 18. So that the fig tree may not blossom. It goes on about everything else. The grapes, there's no grapes and there's, there's no cattle. There's no sheep. Everything's failed. It says, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. It's got nothing to do with the circumstances, is it? I mean, hey, I've been a farmer. I know I've seen it when the grass doesn't grow, the crops fail, the cattle die. I can feel very happy. But Habakkuk there, God through Habakkuk says, yet will I rejoice. This time we can rejoice even in that. So regardless of what our circumstances are. And then it goes on, the start of verse 19 says, the Lord God is my strength. And so it's not... Things going well that are my strength. It's not my circumstances that are my strength. It's the Lord God. And we experience his strength 
through rejoicing. And Paul, he didn't just write this as a good thing. Oh, this is a good thing for you to do, rejoice. He lived it out. Because when Paul first went to Philippi, we read about in Acts chapter 16 is where he was arrested. He and Paul and Silas were arrested, thrown in jail, beaten unconscious. And midnight after that, they regained consciousness. And then it says at midnight, they're singing songs, are singing hymns and praising God. And then the jail doors flew open and, every, you know, well, they could have escaped. Well, that would make it easier if every time we started singing and rejoicing that the jail doors flew open, whatever was holding us back. But we see that Paul, the disciples, right through the Bible, they rejoice even when it doesn't happen the way they would like maybe to start with. But Paul, you know, he, he set that example, rejoicing, you know, even though... Uh, you know, he, he'd been whipped, he'd been beaten. He still would have had a sore back, a sore head. He, they still rejoiced. In Ephesians 5 verse 19, he says, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So there's a key for us, sing. Sing. You know, it's, we don't do this much in Australia anymore, do we? Like... Uh, you watch the, the soccer or in England or even the cricket, you know, the Barmy Army, they're singing. Um, the singing gets louder and more boisterous as the day goes on. But, you know, they sing. Well, we don't do that. We're more like the ones in, you know, we, we don't want to be like the upper class, that it's the upper class that don't sing. They just go and watch the cricket. In Australia, we, we don't sing. We don't sing the national anthem. You know, other nations are there and they're playing the national anthem, they're singing and Australians are... But sing. Sing and make melody in our hearts. It's one way to show our, our rejoicing, one way to, to, bring up that, to bring that joy up is to, to sing, sing psalms and hymns. And you say, well, it doesn't matter. Well, when you're in the shower, it doesn't matter. So you can say you can't sing, it doesn't matter when you're in the shower, whether you can sing or not. If you're in the car by yourself... Um, if you're home, turn the music up louder or whatever and, and sing. <laughs> we can sing. So we can we rejoice in the Lord, in who God is, what he has done for me. So rejoicing is about having the big picture, about looking at life from the, from the right perspective. And this is the thing that when things get tough, isn't it, bogs us down, is because we only see, you know, here we can only see what's in this room. We can't even see what's going on in the rest of the house. But it's having that right perspective that God is God, he's Lord, he's in control, that I'm in him, uh, that he's got my life in control. We start to see these things that gives us something to rejoice about. No matter what, Jesus is with me. So that's why we can rejoice and that's why we should rejoice. The second key uh, in verse 6 it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So in other words, don't worry, don't be anxious, give it to God. And again, the New Living Translation says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Well, there, there's good advice, isn't it? Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So don't worry about anything. 
to tell God, talk to God about it. You know, there are real concerns, aren't there, in life? You know, there are real issues. Money, our health, children, job, you know, etc. We could go on and on. These are real issues. These are not things that we should take lightly. But instead of being anxious, instead of worrying about them, what we're told to do is pray. Talk to God about them. Because, you know, worry is, is self-centered, it's counterproductive, and it's bad for your health. But we are told to pray about these concerns. So it's not wrong to have the concerns, but it's what we do with them. Pray about them, tell God about them. You know, supplication is telling God about your needs. First uh, Peter five seven cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. And I could, could go on um, you know, in Psalms Psalm thirty seven verse five you know commit your way to the Lord trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Psalm fifty five verse twenty two cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And there's a lot more than that, but there's three examples of let's just turn it over to God, give it to God, and he's going to take care of it. So in committing our concerns to God, you know what we're doing is we're giving him responsibility for solving them instead of ourselves' responsibility. And there's a, a little cartoon drawing I saw and uh, actually had it on a overhead, you know, overhead projectors and I actually put it on one of those, but I don't think there's one here, so I didn't bring it. Um, but there's this fellow, you know, he's got this bag on his back and he's bowed down, it's way down, it's full of all his cares, all his concerns, all his worried worries, and then pulled up beside him, there's a garbage truck. And driving the garbage truck is Jesus. And he says, want a lift? So that's what we need. I think of that sometimes, not often enough probably, but think about, okay, just unload your stuff into that garbage truck that Jesus is driving, and then it becomes his responsibility when we give it over to him. And it says to do this with thanksgiving, because thanksgiving is the language of faith. You know, it's, it's not that difficult to tell God about our problems, but it's, you know, often, oh, well, God, you know, you've given me these problems and I just don't know what to do. And, you know, how about you do something about it and you fix them? There's no faith there. There's, but with thanksgiving, it's Lord, it's, it's saying, well, well, God, I've got these problems. I'm asking you to solve them and I'm thanking you before that. So there's a the faith that God's going to deal with that. And uh, we remember his promises there. And the great thing about verse 6, which tells us to do this, is it comes with a promise. Uh, verse 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So it comes with a promise that we're going to have the peace of God. And that's one of the biggest battles when things are difficult is, you know, is that we don't have peace, is that we are concerned, that we worry. But if we hand our worries to God, we talk to him, we've got that promise of the peace of God. It's beyond our natural understanding because it doesn't make sense to have peace when things are against us. 
In John 14, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So because in the world we have peace when things are good, but Jesus gives us peace regardless of the circumstances. <clears throat> the true peace is not found in positive thinking, in absence of conflict or in good feelings. It comes from knowing God is in control. And it comes from a life application study Bible. And this peace protects us. It guards our hearts and minds, the same as a military guard. It's like a military guard there in front of your mind, uh, the peace of God. So it stops you from getting carried away with your worries. Why did you do that? Turn it over to God. It protects from external corrupting influences. Whereas worry lets these, uh, these influences in. And uh, even I think of the, the parable of the sower. It says, you know, the, the, it talks about the cares of the world choking the seed. So the worries. Uh, the Rudyard Kipling poem, If, uh, starts off, If you can keep your head when all around you are losing theirs. And some wag um, has put, you know, that bit and then says, then you just don't understand the situation. <laughs> but hey, actually that's what it's like when you trust in Jesus. We don't understand the situation in a way. The world, you just don't understand. Well, actually we do. We have a higher understanding. We know that things are hard, are difficult, but God's in control. And so in a way, yeah, we don't understand. We don't. So... Tell God about your problems and, and his peace will, will, will cover us. Uh, verse 8 is the third one. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. <clears throat> what we allow to occupy our minds will eventually determine our speech and our action. It will produce fruit. Romans 12 verse 2 tells us to be transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind. So we've got to think about the right things, regardless of the circumstances. You know, so we replace harmful input with wholesome Again, the New Living Translation says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So it's what, think about these things. However you want to remember them, but these are all good things. Replace the harmful things with what's wholesome. Now, where will we find things that are true, noble, pure, lovely, etc.? Well, no, the first place to look is the Bible. So fill our mind with what's in the Bible. So we need to read the Bible, study, memorise it. Um, so a bit of a cheeky thought after, you know, a discussion earlier. I had a thought out discussion this morning. Or maybe it might be easier to memorise the King James. He's hearing about these, uh, not Hillary, but so many of these people remembering the Shakespeare. And I thought, oh, well, maybe... Saying how, how wonderful they were remembering all these lines. Oh, maybe maybe we should remember King James. Maybe that makes it easier. Anyway, whatever it comes to, memorise, get the Bible into our minds. And I, 
I notice I've got the word memorise here. And when I was a younger Christian, I was also younger in age, and I found it a lot easier to memorise things. Anyone else finding it harder to memorise? Yeah. yeah. But anyway, fill our mind, read the Bible, study the Bible, memorising, and ask God to help us to focus our mind on what is good and pure. And even that the word um, to meditate um, means to compute over and over. And uh, I've read where somebody said, if you can worry, you can meditate. Mm-hmm. Because actually, if you think about it, that's what worrying is. You're just thinking about the same thing going over and over and over in your mind and getting bigger and bigger. But instead of worrying, thinking about negative things, meditating is thinking about positive things. And uh, if I just quickly finish with a fourth point, uh, I won't read the whole the whole bit, but in the, the last ten the last few verses of the chapter really is it talks about the generosity of the Philippians. So a fourth thing that can help us is to be generous. And verses ten to twenty really are all about the gift that the Philippians sent to Paul. And verse nineteen, another one that we like to, to grab out, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That occurs in this context of the Philippian generosity. Paul's saying God's going to meet your need. It's because you've been generous with what you've been given. You know, there are are promises of God's provision when we give, but it's it's important that we give with the right attitude. Uh, In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, you know, let each one give as he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giving. But when I say be generous, you know, the reason when we're generous, we're outward looking. It's not about looking inwards. But so we can we can cultivate an attitude of generosity. And what that looks like is different for different people. You know, the the, the widow only putting the two, you know, her, she put her two cents worth in. It wasn't even probably worth two cents. Um, Jesus said she gave more than the, the, the wealthy people, you know. But it's not just about money. We, we need to be generous in every area of our lives, with money, with resources, with time, with, uh, with our praise, with our talents. You know, some people are happy to, to give their money, but not their necessarily their time or their, their gifts. Or some people, it's easy to give the gifts, even their time, but hey, it's not my money. You know, so it's about uh, having an attitude of generosity that's outward looking, and that will help us uh, in, in our circumstances. Verse 17 says that their giving will bring forth um, spiritual, a uh, spiritual reward, and that's what we want because it's pleasing to God. And it's important also to remember that Paul was not as concerned with their gift as he was with the development in the Philippians of the spiritual ability to give. You know, it's a little bit different to some of our sermons we hear on giving these days, isn't it? It's more about bring your gift and God will bless you. And Paul's saying, look, I'm really thankful for the gift, but I'm more excited that you have this within you, this generosity, this ability, there's something within you. And verse 19 says, you know, my God shall supply all your need. The Philippians gave out of their wealth 
So God will give them out of his. And that's not just limited to money. We talk about God's, God's wealth. And so in conclusion, so whatever circumstances, whatever situation we find ourselves in, that Jesus is the source of our strength in any circumstances and in all circumstances. If things are tough, he's the one that we need to rely on. If things are easy, it's, it, you know, it's not that, oh, well, I can do this, I can handle this. No, Jesus still needs to be the source of our strength. Our true contentment is found in our perspectives, our priorities, and our source of power. And we can tap into this strength by doing the following. There's probably other things too, you know, like I, I didn't mention um, fellowship and you know, have good friends and all that sort of thing. But in this chapter, we can see some things that we can do. You know, rejoice in the Lord always. Don't be anxious, but give it to God. Uh, think on that which is pure and right, etc., lovely. And there's other things mentioned there in verse 8. And be generous, have a generous spirit, you know, outward looking. Uh, so whatever circumstances we are in, you know, wherever God puts us, whether it's difficult times, easy times, difficult people around us, good people around us, somewhere in between, we can we can survive in that, but we can also still serve God. We can love God. We can thrive in that if we look to Jesus as our strength. So, Lord, I just want to thank you. Well, we don't have to ever rely on our own strength. But Lord, actually, if we do that, that's when we fall, we fall, that's when we fail. But Lord, I just pray that you'll help us always just to be looking to you, that we would never fail to look to you for our strength. We'd just always be reminded of that. But Lord, whatever you've called us to, whatever circumstances, whether it be a short time or a long time, Lord, that you will give us your strength. And Lord, I just thank you for that. Lord, help us to cultivate these attitudes that would uh, look to you. Uh, we just pray these things. Lord, if there's um, anyone here today particularly who needs that extra uh, help, that extra encouragement, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we would f find that encouragement today. Lord, that we would find that extra strength that we need for what you're calling us to do, what you are doing and what you want to do in our lives. And we thank you for that. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, thanks, Ashley. And, and one thing I might just draw your attention to, um, you know, the sort of the theme of memorising scripture is sort of popping up a little bit today, isn't it? Ashley mentioned it, and and just with our, our thoughts of the the play there. And earlier in the week, um, a, a scripture memorisation sort of uh, tool, I suppose, caught my attention here. Uh, you might be aware, Vision Christian Media. You can go to their website and sign up for. Um, weekly Bible memorising verses and there's sort of mobile phone wallpapers you can download and pop on your, your phone and other sort of tips and um, resources to help you memorise scripture. So that just jumped out at me at home this week. So I just want to bring it to your attention and, and just encourage us to be memorising scripture. I think if a um, bunch of people in a wide range of ages, we can't just, just <laughs> say cop out and go, oh, I'm getting old now, can't memorise right. scripture. There was it wasn't some... meant to be a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> there was a range of ages there, but I, I, I guess I feel a little bit inspired. If, if they could memorise all of that Shakespeare, 
And I could, I could memorise a bit more scripture, hey? Don't you think you could memorise a little bit more scripture in your life? Yeah? yeah. So head to, to vision.org.au and have a look on there. Um, it's called the Treasury Project is what it's called, okay? Treasury Project. So have a look, get yourself inspired and start getting a little bit of scripture flowing into you, okay? Fantastic. Mm.